We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. If no one has wished you a Merry Christmas yet, I'll let me be the first. I'm very glad to wish you a Merry Christmas and welcome you to Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt. I'm happy to share the Word of God with you today. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out online. We don't care how you found us, but somehow that series of tubes has led you here, and you're getting to hear the Word of God today, and we're so glad to share the Word with you today. I want to warn you that it has begun. It has. Mariah Carey has been loosed from her captivity. And everywhere you go, all you hear is that little piano. I don't want. And it's like, ah, I know what I want for Christmas. Make it stop. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's like that song. That song. They even like have different versions of that song now. And you you just thought that those versions are so bad. They make you wish to hear the Mariah Carey one again. All I want for Christmas is you. That's happening everywhere. Decorations are going up as we speak, the holiday shopping has revved up for in-person, but especially online. There was peak hours online shoppers spent $15.7 million per minute. Per, per minute. I read that several times to make sure I was understanding. 15.7 per minute. All right. Wow. And do you have any idea how you are going to get all your shopping done? Right? That's crazy. And the schedule is filling up with Christmas parties and the kids are counting the days to Christmas break and you are already praying for peace and strength to make it through Christmas break with your kids. Anyone? 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 And the season is called Merry and Bright. Right? They use phrases like this. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Very good. There's silver bells, right? And there's a silent nights and there's joy. Very good. And I'm dreaming of a, and then there's rocking around. It's all over the place. It's just everywhere. It is like, you can just like spit out all these words all the time. And, but all these things are painting a beautiful picture of, of the season. It's supposed to be really pretty and, and wonderful, but I, I, I don't want to kill your Christmas spirit, but I'm willing. Here it is. Uh, this is marketing to get you into the Christmas spirit. And we just had a Friday. The Friday after Thanksgiving is called the what? Black Friday. And it's not called Black Friday like as in the Black Plague or like a, a terrible time of death. Although, if you've ever been out at 6 a.m. at Best Buy, you can relate. No, it's called Black Friday because they have geared up all their marketing. And on that Friday is the first time all year that those stores have run a profit. They are in the black rather than in the red. All this is geared towards the money. And I'm all for Christmas cheer, but can I give you some Christmas real for a moment? We're living in dark times right now. There are two major wars happening as we speak, and either could be a catalyst for a world war, right? Our U.S. economy, it's not that strong. I think we'd all agree that inflation is affecting all of us, right? 
And yet, we, we are not at our best. But when you look at the numbers, like America sticks out its chest like, look how awesome we are. Because everyone else in the world is doing worse. That's really terrible news. And I've got to warn you that when nations are poor, they go to, they go to war. I'm just, just warning you. That's just a fact, right, guys? Sorry. I'm, I'm killing Christmas. I'm glad the kids are. These are desperate times. And we are less than a year from election. Yeah, we'll talk about that for a second. Our culture is more polarized than ever, more divided than ever. And oh boy, we get, we get to have that revved up on us and already working. And then cancel culture is like alive and well, and that scares us. It's impossible to even have a polite difference of opinion because you will immediately be called Hitler. It's like they don't just go like, well, you are misinformed. Like, I can deal with that. I'm misinformed. No, I'm Hitler. It's like that's the world that we're living in. And it's, it's really dark. And uh, in fact, for my holiday cards this year, I might just send these out to you. I might write, Merry Christmas. I don't think you're Hitler. And I'd probably be maybe the first person all year to tell you I don't think you're Hitler. Rick, I don't think you're Hitler. All right. It goes on. Depression is, which direction do you think depression is trending? Up. All right. Loneliness is up. Suicide will likely be. Drug use is. And when the calendar swings over to 2024, divorce will be. Did you know January is called divorce month? I think it's because they survived Christmas. They went through that, all that together. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. And the credit card bills that were maxed out over the holidays, that's when they start coming due. The holiday marketing now wants you to forget all of that. There is not a single commercial that highlights any of that anywhere, right? They don't roll out the car with the big bow on it. And by the way, depression's on the rise. People are committing suicide. No, no, it's a season to remember at Lexus, right? That, that's, that's what they do all the time. Uh, I want to tell you, I just felt this whole series is, is this idea that, that we need to do more than just make a merry and bright season. We need to make merry and bright lives that exist throughout the entire year, that we, that we have a countenance of joy, that, we aren't, that it's not just one time a year where we go, oh, maybe we should be generous and loving. No, but that throughout the year, we will have merry and bright lives. That it will always be the most wonderful time of the year. Not, not just because things are going swimmingly and well, but because we have a hope and a peace and a love and a joy that's working in us that we're able to look at people, even in all this darkness, and love them and care for them. That's, that's what this whole series is. If you don't have time for the whole uh, series, you just got it. So please do something with that. We're calling it Merry Life Repair. Everyone say Merry Life Repair. We're going to focus on repairing the broken parts of our life. And we all have areas of our life that need fixing. And we're going to fix some of these things. Uh, We want you to join us this Christmas season as we apply the lessons of hope, love, joy, peace to the broken areas of our life. Today we're going to be talking about fixing the darkness. If things are dark, what do you think you should do about that? If, the, if, you, if, if, if a room is dark in your house, what do you do about that? You, you turn on the light or maybe you install a light or maybe 
You put in a lamp, all right? You open a window. There's something something to let light in. It's a pretty simple, simple idea. And with all the darkness in the world, we need to find a way to get a light into our life. And, and you can either sit in darkness or you can turn on the light. And that light will push out the darkness. The answer to darkness is always light. The answer to darkness is not learning how to live with the darkness. The, the answer to the darkness is, well, I'll just lower my expectations. That's not it. Uh, the answer to darkness is not adjusting to the new normal. Well, you know, it's dark now. And it is dark now. Can we talk about the time change? It used to be like sunny at this time of day. Anyway, I want to tell you the answer to darkness is a force that is stronger. Stronger than the force of darkness. When, when light shows up, it is strong enough to make darkness leave. It just pushes it out of the room. Darkness can be front and center, but a single light. Any light. Sometimes you, you can't find a flashlight, so you like pull out your phone. And sometimes I'm too busy to actually put the little the light on the back on. Sometimes I just use my screen. And I'll, I'll just put that where I need to see. And it will push back the darkness. And what was front and center with the darkness is now pushed to the margins. And like shadows only remain in the, on the margins of the area of light. Light is the force that's stronger than darkness. If you aim to make your life merry and bright, you need a light that will push out the darkness. So what is that darkness in your life? Let's start there, right? We'll get to the light in a moment. But I'm going to ask you, what is, what is dark in your life? What is it? In the words of Simon and Garfunkel, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. What is that darkness that keeps calling you up and talking to you? What is that? It shows up over and over. And it can be different all over this place. And there's no judgment on your darkness. Don't judge me on my darkness. And I will not judge you on your darkness. Deal? Anybody say deal? deal. All right, good, good, good. I want to talk to you about your darkness. And it could be any of these things uh, I've got here. Lies and secrets. That's some darkness, right? Oh, there's nothing worse than the fear of a secret getting out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh my gosh. Okay. It's worse than doing the bad thing. Can I get real with you? Because I know this. I know this is a fact. It is what doing the bad thing is real bad. But then living with the secret that you did the bad thing, forget about it. That's the worst. You talk about some darkness. Oh, gosh. Like, oh, just afraid someone will figure it out. Hateful thoughts. That's darkness. Past regrets. Fear. Depression. Greed. And even spiritual darkness. Like, there could be some forces that are of a spiritual nature. And this list could go on a lot longer. I don't know exactly what. But these were the thoughts that came to my mind. What is your darkness? If you want to fix your darkness problem, you need to identify your darkness. And I, maybe for the next just few moments, allow the, the Holy Spirit, allow God, allow thoughts, allow things to come into your mind that go, whoa, yeah, that is a little dark. 
And those are probably, that's probably the dark area of my, it's probably my relationship with that person and I secretly curse at them. I don't tell them that because they're my boss, but I curse at them and that darkness, that, that, that place in your heart, whatever that darkness is, let's identify it tonight. You need a light to expel the darkness in your life. So let's talk about the light. But before we talk about light, let's talk about poor examples of light. Okay, so there's darkness in our life. So we, we grab a really bad flashlight, like broken flashlight. You ever have one of those flashlights you have to like hit it? And you'll have like brief moments of like strobe light. Brilliance, right? And that just somehow makes it scarier. It doesn't actually help anything. But here are poor examples of light. These are broken flashlights. Government and systems. I just got to be honest. I'm not taking a side. My, my side is against them all, actually. That's just my official position. But government and systems. We talked about lies and secrets. Our governments and systems are just full of lies and secrets. No one said a thing. I heard someone say, that's true. Oh, my gosh. Simpatico. All right. Education. Now, education is great. But can I tell you, you're always at the mercy of a biased teacher. Always. Always. I'm actually taking some classes right now. It kind of drives me crazy how the teachers are, like, really biased. And there's, like... Not, not giving me an interpretation of a thing. They're like, and this is what it is. It's like, well, there's these people, and they're like, pay no attention to that. How about even counseling? And uh, listen, I'm not like, besides government, everything else I'm not like dismissing totally. Government, it's non-redeemable at this point, in my opinion. But anyway, counseling. Counseling can provide, but it, but it teaches you. It teaches you. To own the darkness rather than find the light. And there's some negativity to that. There's some people that they, because of counseling, they say, I'm always going to be this way. Oh, let me tell you, I don't think you always have to be that way. You can change. And just that is like, I love telling people that. And how can you tell people that, Chris? Because that's me. That's me. I used to be this. And I thought I would always be this. I thought I would hate people forever at a young age. I was like 12 years old, and I just hated people. Like my dad would take me to family reunions. You know what I'd go do? I'd go sit in the car because I hated people. That doesn't seem like me, is it? Because it's no longer me. Something has gotten a hold of my life that changed me. It wasn't owning that darkness. It was actually correcting it. It was actually pushing that to the margins. It was pushing it to where shadows belong, not to the front and center of my life. All right, go, go on. Medication. Medication. Medication can help with so much. It can help with depression. But I know full and well that it always needs adjustment. And it will only work for a matter of time, especially with when we're talking about mental things. I, I'm telling you, there has got to be a better answer than medication. I'm not telling you to stop taking your medication, but I am telling you while you take your medication, maybe you look for some good things outside of it. I'm not telling you to stop it. Really careful about that. But, but I found it to be, in my own home, a, a, a poor light to the darkness that we face. All right, that's me. Okay, you want to talk about that? I'm, I'm all ears to talk about it. Let me go here because we have to. Here it is, religion. 
Religion can be a place of community. It can be a place where you learn some true things, right? But is religion the light? (laughs) It is not. I'm telling you, it is not. There was a period of time when religion controlled the entire world. I'm telling you, religion controlled world governments. And instead of looking to a king, they looked to a religious leader. And do you know what we call that period of time? The Dark Ages. You can't make this stuff up. I'm here to tell you today, if you came for a pro-religion sermon, this is not it. (laughs) Religion is not the light you're looking for. It is a pure, poor excuse for light. And if you know what I'm talking about, say amen. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me just tell you, keep listening. We'll talk about it. This one, more success. More success allows you to purchase everything materialistic that you desire, but it ends up bringing no light. And once you get the new phone, a new phone comes out and your phone is no longer new. It's never good enough. Nothing is ever good enough. That's materialism. And while it's so cool to have nice things and new things, I love that. It's a poor, it's a poor light source. And then there's this one, self-help and life hacks can be so useful. I'm a sucker for life hacks on, like, when I'm scrolling on the internet. I'm like, ooh, a life hack. How do I do? And they, they always bury it in, like, some weird blog post, and then I can't ever find it, and that's why I'm so messed up. Someone laughed. All right, that's good. I want to tell you that self-help and life hacks, they can be useful, but if slight incremental improvement could defeat the darkness in your life, you'd be darkness free by now. Yeah, you need to know more than you can cut off the edge of a strawberry and plant it and it'll turn into a tree. It's like, you need to know more than that. You need to know more than little tips and tricks. Those are so cool, but they are poor excuses for life. Even those wonderful self-help books and there's some great stuff that you can get out of them. I'm telling you, I've read a lot of those things, and at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, maybe more depressed than when I started. You need to identify your darkness, and you also need to identify your light. I think that we, we look after a lot of things, that they are just poor light sources. Okay, I'm going to leave that behind. We're going to look on this, this traditional Christmas season itself is a poor light source. Some people like... In fact, they'll, they'll come to church. Like there's some people that go, okay, I haven't been to church all year, but that Christmas Eve service is coming up. I am going to go to that Christmas Eve service and that's going to do it. That's going to be the one. The choir is going to sing just right. The lighting is going to be just right. And the pastor is going to say just the right things. But then they come hear me and it's like, oh. I want to tell you, you can go through the entire Christmas season Every day, you can get one of those advent calendars where you get a piece of chocolate every day and you could take that chocolate and say, oh God, your word is so sweet and eat it every day. And you could pray every day and you can do, uh, think about uh, the Christmas story and you could, there, there are even like uh, readings you can do, 25 days to help you and, and you can have all the trees and you can have all the presents, the carols, you can even have the eggnog, that blessed eggnog, but you will still be in darkness because you need more than just a season you need more 
during a time of darkness, way back hundreds of years ago, there was an Israelite prophet and he wrote these words, talking about a dark time. And it was Isaiah 9 2. And he gives, in the middle of that dark season, he gives a prophetic word. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then you go just a few verses later. He says these words, verse 6. And this is what you're always going to recognize. We read it every Christmas. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I always like to point out that Jesus is the only one who has a government that grows not by war, but by peace. Isaiah lived in a dark time. Israel was on their way to exile and slavery. While he's writing the words that we just read, Babylon is on their way and they will lay, waylay all of Israel. They will tear down the temple and they will kidnap everybody and make them slaves and drag them away from their promised land and take them to Babylon where they will live lives as slaves. And it's a prophecy that he's given here. And it's a prophecy to all who walk in darkness. And his promise to them, his, his hope for them, is that they can see a great light. He goes on to prophesy about that child born and that son given. And he will be, say it with me, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And that, that's wonderful. We could like spend the rest of the time just talking about what, what this child is going to be, all those things. But let's fast forward now hundreds of years. And hundreds of years later, this prophecy is fulfilled by people we call magi, or we might call them wise men, or we might call them kings from the east. And they see in the dark night sky, they see a great light. And they follow this star. And this great light led them to the child, the son of Isaiah's prophecy. It led them right to Bethlehem and right to the feet of this baby in a manger, this child. And it's there that they see the one that's wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. But the child is not named those things. He has another name. What's his name? His name is Jesus. Because he's going to save people from their sins. He's going to save people that are in darkness. He's going to save people that don't know what to do. That life has a way of bringing you a problem that you don't know how to solve. Right? Life has these problems and like, I, I'm pretty, I, I think I can figure out most things. But there are things in life I don't even know. Sometimes they're people. Sometimes they're relationships. Sometimes they're money things. Sometimes I just, there's the debt and there's the amount of money I've got coming in. There's these problems life brings you and they're dark problems and you can't figure them out. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ came to a world just like that. He came to a world 
full of problems. There's murder and death everywhere. There's poverty everywhere. There's cruel kings. And the kings are so upset and they're so angry that they've risen to power and are still not happy. So they go and kill people. And they go build coliseums to go slay people for sport. And that's the world that Jesus came into. Because there was a world that couldn't find an answer to the problem. The answer came to us. And that's what I believe. And I believe Jesus does that for us. I don't know what your problem is that you can't solve. But I want you to consider today that the Lord is the answer to that problem. And maybe God could even use some of the people in this room to be the answer to your problem. That could happen today. Who would would be really happy to be the answer to someone's problem? Anybody? I would love that. Oh, to make a difference in somebody's life? Oh, Lord, let it be. Let it be. So... We've, we've, we've been in Isaiah, right? And it's like at least 300 years before Christ. And then we have Christ. That's like that turn of the millennia there. And now let's go about uh, later that century. This is after Jesus has uh, resurrected and he's gone from the earth. There's a guy who writes these words. His name is John. And he writes it in John 1-4 about Jesus. He says, in him, being Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. That, that there was a man who had so much life in him that it just lit up the room. And wherever darkness was, he would like show up and it would like abate the darkness. The darkness had to leave. The darkness couldn't overcome it. The darkness even tried to kill this man and did kill this man. And that didn't do it. They laid him in the darkest tomb they could find. But it wasn't dark enough. He rose from the dead and he rose. And he's those many years later, after John has been tortured, after John has been arrested, after John has been mistreated and faced so much darkness himself, he says, oh, let me tell you about a guy I met who was so full of life that it was just the light for all mankind. I want you to consider Jesus to be the light that your darkness can't handle. I would like you to consider that today. The life of Jesus is light. And the lessons that he taught, they're recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are exactly what you need to push out the darkness. Let's go back. Let's, let's, we, we looked at those lists of, of uh, darknesses that might be yours. I want to make it Jesus versus your darkness. We have lies and secrets. Jesus taught about truth. And he called out lies. And he didn't apologize for it, neither. And Jesus taught... That nothing remains secret. That you're better off confessing. Because one day those secrets are going to be shouted from the rooftops, he said. And how about hateful thoughts? Well, Jesus taught that love is what everything hangs on. Loving God, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Those are three people you need to learn how to love. You need to love God. You need to love your neighbor Elbow somebody said, that's you, that's you. I need to learn how to properly love you as I love myself. And then point at yourself. You got to learn how to love yourself. Who taught us this? <laughs> it's Jesus, the man who had so much life in him that it was like the light of all mankind. 
And then how about past regrets? Well, Jesus gave hope for past regrets. He redeems your regrets and he turns it into victories. There are people in the Bible who failed really bad. And what does he do in that moment? There, well, there was a woman caught in adulterous act. And what does he do? He protects her. And he doesn't hold a, a grudge against her. He tells her that there's hope for her. And he sends her on her way. And there's people in the Bible who made terrible mistakes. And we know about them. And you know how we know about them? They told us about them. Now listen, when you make terrible mistakes, you're certainly not going to talk about it or write it down. But these people met Jesus and they met him in such a way that it took away the past regrets and they talked to somebody else and said, this is the messed up person I was. And this is what God can do for you as well. Jesus gives hope for past regrets and he redeems those regrets. Oh, I love how Jesus takes the embarrassing moments of my life and re redeems them in such a way that I would actually stand up and tell someone about them. There was a time in my life I said, I'd never tell anybody about that. But now because Jesus has set me free from shame, I'm going, you need to meet a guy who has so much life in him. That it's like the light of all mankind. And Jesus lived fearlessly. It's so Fear is one of them, right? There it is, fear. Oh, this guy. If I could get this guy. Fear. Jesus lived fearlessly. And the people that followed him learned to do the same. Don't fear what people can do to you, Jesus says. Don't fear what people talk and say about you, Jesus says. And then everybody that follows him gets that braveness and boldness. You follow this guy, he will teach you a thing or two about how to overcome the darkness of fear. And when we think the darkest, when things were the darkest for Jesus, I mean real dark. We're talking death. We're talking betrayal. We're talking all alone. We're talking he's on the cross and Peter's not there. James is not there. The people he healed are not there. The only people there are spitting at him and yelling at him and making fun of him and rejoicing in his pain. Talk about that kind of darkness. When things were darkest for Jesus, he taught, he's still the light in the middle of that darkness. He still trusted, he still served, he still loved others. And from that place of darkness, he even prays for forgiveness for others. Yeah. Depression. That darkness of depression. Where are you? Depression, is you up here? There you are, front and center. Depression couldn't stop him. Depression could not rob him of love and kindness and service. No, he teaches us that. And Jesus taught us to overcome greed by being generous. And my goodness, there are some stinging things to read from Jesus about giving to the poor. And it says stuff like if somebody takes, what does it mean if somebody takes? They stole it. It's a, if somebody takes your, and it's like tunic or something, let's say a shirt. If someone takes your shirt, Jesus says. I don't like people taking my shirt. I very rarely have any cool shirts to wear as it is. That's why I'm wearing this one. I'm kidding. My wife gave me this one. I love it. He says, if someone takes your shirt, don't hunt them down 
He doesn't say hunt them down and take them to jail. He says, give them your jacket also. What? Jesus teaches this. And he, he teaches stuff like it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of an needle than to get into the kingdom of God. He looks at a guy who says, I'm, I've got it all going on, Jesus. What do I, what do I need to do to, e- to obtain eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. <laughs> it's like this is Jesus. If you have trouble with the darkness of greed, you need to listen to this man with so much life in him that it's the light of all mankind and let him teach you a thing or two about loving people and not being greedy. Jesus taught us even that, that even the spiritual darkness of the devil is no match for the light. He has this showdown with the devil and it's hardly a showdown. Like I really thought the devil thought, I think, Ron, I think the devil thought it was WrestleMania when he met Jesus. And Jesus just like swats him away by saying the same thing three times. Right? It is written. And, and Jesus walks up to people that are sick. And they're like, there's this kid who's got the palsy. And he's like shaking. He's got what, what seems to be like seizures and so much that he falls into the fire. And everybody's like, this kid is sick. Somebody needs to do anything. Do something. What can we do about this guy? You know what Jesus does? Jesus walks up to him, looks right past the sickness and says, I rebuke that demon that's in him. And everybody's like, what? He had a demon. There was a spiritual darkness affecting this kid. And he rebukes that spirit. That's what Jesus did. Okay, what is this saying? It's saying that Jesus versus your darkness, your, your darkness has no chance against Jesus. Jesus, the light of the world, he wins every time. And we have a Christmas season, sadly, that's supposed to be focused on him. And it's not. Ah, <laughs> oh, you are so close, right? I mean, we will sing songs about him, but then not practice his love and not practice his light. And we'll even give gifts like with his name written on the, the packaging, like on the gift wrapping stuff, right? Little nativity on that. But we're not really walking in any light there. It's just the trappings. It's the, it's the marketing. It's the religion. And those are poor excuses for light. So I want, you to, I want to tell you today to try the light of Jesus, not religion, but Jesus. There is a difference. And if you don't know the difference, please, I will buy you all the Starbucks you want to tell you the difference between Jesus and religion. And not tradition, but Jesus. I like family traditions. Those are so cool. But it's not enough. If you've got a cool family tradition, that's cool. Could you maybe bring something about Jesus in? I'm not telling you to stand on a soapbox and go, kids, Jesus. I'm telling you to love like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus. To somebody who's feeling ashamed in your traditional meeting, why don't you pull them and say, I love you so much. You belong here. I would never want you not to be here. Oh, that's it. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. I dare you to make Jesus a part of your everyday. I make Jesus a part of your family routine. To find a way uh, to, to talk to him. Yes, talk to him. If you've never just like talked to Jesus, 
do that. Just say, Jesus, I don't even know what to say, but I'm wanting to know more about you and follow you. Do that. I think that's powerful. Do that. Do that. And, and read the Gospels about Jesus. The Bible is so complex and wild. There's parts of the Bible most people aren't ready for, for quite frankly, what you're ready for is your introduction to all things light. All right. And that's the Gospels. And if you've never read the Gospels, why don't you take that book and read it? Read one of those books. I would recommend Mark. It's the shortest one. It's 16 chapters. It's so short. And it will teach you something about the light of the world. And, and when things don't make sense, maybe you talk to Jesus some more. Because things still, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean everything makes sense. Can I put some relief on you that when things are difficult and you still run up against problems you can't solve, that Jesus is still someone that is ready to talk to you. He's not like, why are you so messed up? <laughs> that's not what Jesus does. That's, not, that's what maybe religion does. That's maybe what other people do. And this, this season, I invite you to treat other people like Jesus did. But know this, moving on to this next point, know this. Light reveals. Can you say those words with me? To um, light reveals. Light will reveal some things that you need to change. While you're getting this light in your life, it's not just like Jesus shows you cupcake rainbow parties. He will show you some things you need to change about yourself. He might reveal some people you need to love, forgive, and serve. And it's usually the, the person that you really don't want to. He's really good at that. The, the whole Good Samaritan thing. The, he made the Samaritan the good guy in the story. And he was talking to a crowd that was racially motivated against the Samaritan. Yeah. He will do stuff just like that in you. He will maybe even make me love uh, Philadelphia Eagle fans. No? No. All right. Uh, how about this one? Light reveals greed. It might reveal materialism and self-centeredness. It, it might reveal... Others around you are still walking in darkness. I think that would be really a miracle if God could have our eyes see people that are so hurt and they're headed towards maybe suicide if someone doesn't grab them. They are, they are headed towards maybe losing their temper so bad that they cross a line that they never meant to if somebody doesn't grab them. I'm telling you that they are headed towards a broken marriage and the kids that are now the fallout of it if someone does it maybe this is that season where the light reveals past your little you know 1,700 square foot house and past that to where other people are and and the brokenness in them light reveals finally I want to tell you it reveals hope light reveals hope and seriously, why bother if there's no hope in it? If there's no hope, why even try? I've heard many times this quote from Hal Lindsey. It goes like this. Man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, and about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. Without hope, why bother? It's hard to go on. It's hard to motivate yourself to try one more time if you have no hope. The darkness quickly robs us of hope. When that darkness just comes in, 
it just steals hope from us. And we don't think like things can change. People in darkness can't see hope. If you can't hope, then why bother even trying to change? In darkness, we don't have hope. But we do have a lot of something in darkness. We have fear. Lots of it. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And as I draw to a close, I want, I want to ask uh, them to come. And I want, I want to teach you a Greek word. Uh, there's a Greek word for fear. And then I want to teach you a Greek word for hope. Can, can I have I'll try to make it easy. I'll pronounce it easy. A Greek word for fear and a Greek word for hope. We'll, we'll start with the Greek word elpis. Elpis is the Greek word for fear. Everybody said fear. fear. All right. So we got this word. Now I want to show you the Greek word for hope. And that word is Elpis. The tech team did not make a mistake. Good job, tech team. It's the same word. The same word for hope is the same word for fear. That word can mean either one based on the context. The difference has to do with you. The difference has to do with your expectation. Here's how it shows up in the Strong's Concordance, the definition of, of this Greek word. Elpis is expectation. And the A heading is it has an expectation of evil. And if you have an expectation of evil, that is fear. And if you have an expectation of good, that is hope. And it's the same word. And the word will mean what it means based on you and your expectation. I want to tell you that maybe the answer to your fear problem is your expectation. That you're expecting evil. And I want to tell you today with the light and the life of Christ. That maybe you can expect good. And that is hope. If you expect evil you have LPs fear. But if you expect good you have LPs hope. So what kind of LPs do you have today? What is your expectation? If you are in darkness. You are saying these words. You're saying why bother? Why try? I'm afraid. Or I'm just really hacked off and angry about it. Any, any of those things that might be you if you're in darkness. But if you will take a single step, a small step, an initial step towards light, you will start to see that you have hope for good. You have hope for better. You'll start saying things like, I can try that again. I can try. I can... I, I have hope. I believe that I can do better in those, those regards. That is hope. Do you have hope today? And do you have hope in Jesus? What do you expect about Jesus? And over the next few moments, we're going to be singing. And you could uh, worship. You could come for prayer. There's communion. Or you could just sit in your seat and just try to do this talk to Jesus thing. You can do any of those things. But I want to ask you, what do you expect to happen? What you expect happen will probably be what happens. And you can stay in fear. That's expecting evil. 
or you can expect something good. I, I want you to expect something good over the next few moments. I want to tell you today, I wouldn't say this if I wasn't expecting good over the next few moments. Do you believe that there is a, a, a person with so much life in him that it was the light of all people and that he can fix the broken parts of your life? These altars are open. I would invite you to come pray, come take communion. Do something in this place that, that goes beyond religion, that goes beyond tradition. Talk to the Lord. Father, I pray for everybody in this house. I pray for everybody watching and listening online. Lord, that you would push out the darkness in our life. Lord, that we would look to you and that we would expect the goodness, the hope, the peace of you, God. Lord, help us, Lord, uh, to see what the dark places of our life are and help us to, to, to stop looking after poor excuses for life. And Lord, help us, Lord, to have the light of love and the light of hope and the light of joy and the light of peace in our life, God. Lord, we know that that's what you have for us. And God, we ask you to do that in us right now in Jesus' name. Let's talk to him. Let's sing. He's going to do good things in this next moment. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550.